0: Thank you for joining us on the Coaching Podcast. As part of the Sin Network, we are passionate about equipping church planters to live out the call God has placed on their lives. Join us as we talk through healthy coaching practices and why every church planter needs one. Here's your host, Dino Sinasi. Welcome to the Sin Network Coaching Podcast. I am the coaching director for the SIN Network. My name is Dino Sanasi, and looking forward today to talking to my friend Noah Oldham. Uh, Noah is the SIN City missionary uh, in St. Louis. Uh,
1: Hello, Noah. How are you? Hello Dino. I'm doing well man. Thanks for having me on.
0: You are telling me about what it's like in St. Louis today and it kind of made me want to go up your direction. So what, what what's the buzz? What's going on in St. Louis and what does it feel like to be in St. Louis today?
1: Well, oh, man St. Louis is on the verge of baseball season about to start and today you can tell by looking outside it is sunny. It's mid-50s actually about to be 60s now and uh it's an amazing day, getting ready for Cardinal baseball. The city comes alive this time of the year. Everybody comes out of the winter depression, gets outside. It's a great time for mission. It's a great time to be in community.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and my friends in the South, and of course, I live in South Carolina, the perception is when I go to places like St. Louis and Detroit that I'm going to the North Pole, right? That you're, <laughs> that you're under ice nine months out of the year. They don't realize you have some very beautiful weather and very distinct seasons in St. Louis.
1: That's right, and we do. We have really, really bad summers and we can often have really, really bad winters. And uh, spring and fall is hit or miss. It, it sometimes feels like a second winter and a second summer. Uh, but uh, we're, we're thankful for the, the weather that we get here.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what do you love the most about your city, just living in St. Louis? What do you love the most about
1: it? Yeah, I love I love the fact that St. Louis is a Midwestern city. I, when I say that, I mean it's equal parts city and Midwestern. It's not like a metropolitan hub like Atlanta or new york or chicago or la that's just very very metropolitan uh, you can be in the arch go to the top of the arch and look every direction and in every direction you can see from the arch cornfields because we're right there and tucked in the middle of the midwest and so it is a a joining point st louis is for uh, a diverse cultures a very urban culture and a very rural culture right up next to each other and so it brings not only it's uh it's challenges, but it brings its blessings as well.
0: Yeah, and kind of give me the spiritual climate. What what is I guess the average person in St. Louis? What do they think about God? What what how do they process yeah. spiritual things?
1: Yeah, St. Louis is full of um, post-Christian culture. St. Louis, even the name gives it away. That's a post-Catholic city, but it's also the the home for the Missouri Synod Lutheran denomination, and there are a, a lot of other. Um, church movements have been a part of the St. Louis city. And so when I meet somebody uh, who's from St. Louis, um, specifically a white person that's indigenous to St. Louis, I find out they went to school here growing up. My second question is Catholic or Lutheran. And they always laugh and they're like, how did you know? Mm. Said, just because it's just the way the climate here. And so, um, people here have a little bit of an inoculation to the gospel. Okay. Um, everybody is kind of culturally, uh, has been culturally Christian or has, uh, walked away on purpose from being culturally Christian. So you'll have to be hard pressed to find somebody, uh, not that's lost. A lot of people, uh, don't know the Lord and and don't care to know the Lord, but a lot of people know religion.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, we, we have a similar issue in South Carolina, but it's Baptist or Methodist. So Mm, we could, so it's, it's kind of a different side of it, but it's very much the same thing. Uh, People in the South kind of feel like, well, hey, I was born in the right place and I go to the right church, so I must be going to heaven. And so, right. uh, so yeah, so that's a big hurdle to get over. Very good. So now you're a church planter as well. I didn't say that on purpose at the beginning. Uh, you planted August Gate Church, and we want to talk about your coaching story today. There's a lot of coaches that listen to us, and I want them to be encouraged by how God has used coaching in your life as a planter. But first, <clears> tell your planting story. How did August Gate come into being?
1: Yeah, so I went to college just outside St. Louis from 2001 to 2005, came there to play football. Uh, I was a brand new Christian, saved in high school. And while uh, in college, I saw people my age leaving the church in a mass exodus. And as we began to ask questions, my Christian friends and I of people on the football team, people in our classes, why were they walking away from the church? The, The main reason they said was that they felt like the church was irrelevant for their stage of life. And I was a brand new believer and The gospel is relevant to everything that I was going through, Mm -hmm. so I wanted them to know about Jesus, and so my roommates and I, we started to just tell funny stories about what it looked like one day to start a church for people like us, our age, and uh, God birthed that idea when we were uh, just 20 years old, and then uh, after college, I went to be a youth pastor back in my hometown. That burden never left me, and so a couple years into being a youth pastor in southeastern Illinois, God birthed a, a call in my heart to move to a city to plant a church to reach the unchurched demographics of 20s and 30s. Um, my college roommate, my best friend, was the first person I called to invite. And uh, God had been birthing that in his heart as well. And so uh, after a couple of years of preparation, we moved to St. Louis. Both of our families, plus a third guy as well. We all moved down in, parachuted, and planted August Gate in August of 2009 with about 15 people in our living room. And by God's grace today, actually in a couple of weeks, we're launching our third gathering of our church, and we've been a part of planting over six churches in St. Louis since that time.
0: Well, God's doing a lot of neat things in St. Louis from my seat on the bus, and of course what God's doing through you and August Gate and, and through the entire SIN Network there is is incredible. A real unusual sense of community, I think, you guys have accomplished and enjoyed hearing you speak to a couple of hundred church planters uh, this past fall about community. What do you think is important for planters uh, to help them in the early phases?
1: Yeah, I mean early on, they're gonna need they're gonna need that brotherhood. That's what I love so much about where Send Network is at and where we're even going is we need people around us. We need coaches like we're talking about today. We need a brotherhood with other planters. We need a support system, especially those guys who come into a city, they know no one, they need to have this already put together circle of trust and circle of care. And that's what Send Network is doing. Uh, Because without it, man, uh, you know, you've seen it. I've seen it. Guys shrivel up and almost die. And the work doesn't flourish. And uh, God doesn't get the glory he deserves out of that situation.
0: Very much so. Now, specifically your coaching story, uh, there was some acute challenges that you had It sounded to me like you were under attack from the enemy uh, in Mm -hmm. in the early phases, and God used a coach uh, very much to help you walk through and used him in some unusual ways. Uh, Mutual acquaintance of mine and becoming a friend, a very close friend of yours, Mike Hubbard, but tell a little bit about your coaching story within your planting story.
1: Yeah, so... Part of our planting story was that the years that we went to prepare to come to plant in St. Louis, um, 2007 specifically, was what we used to call the year from hell. It was horrific. It started when I resigned my position as a youth pastor. The night I resigned, um, I was lifelighted to a hospital with a heart condition. I was on bed rest for over a month on medications that did all kinds of stuff to my body. I gained a tremendous amount of weight. Um, I had nowhere to go and ended up going to a church that I didn't know very well and uh, under some, some promises that didn't come through. Uh, we ended up losing our house after I lost that position. Uh, we had to move in with my in-laws. Um, I went bald that year. I gained a tremendous amount of weight. My mom died and we found out we couldn't have children all Mm. in the course of about seven months. Mm. And, uh, I was crushed, man. I was crushed. And so when we moved to St. Louis the next year to do my church planning residency, God was putting the pieces back together in our life. I was learning humility. I was learning to trust the Lord. And uh, we went through um, very, very, very costly procedures to have a child. We were told by doctors, it's the only way you'll ever get pregnant. And we spent all of our life savings uh, to have a baby. And um, we had a baby. And a few months after having that baby and launching our church, we uh, found ourselves pregnant on our own out of nowhere. It Mm. was the biggest celebration you would have ever experienced. Um, We just didn't take it for granted at any level because we knew this was a miracle from God. We celebrated, our church celebrated with us on and on, but then we went to our 14 week appointment and uh, ready to just see how our child was growing and things were happening and um, things were different that day. The, The tech didn't turn the screen, didn't have the smile on her face like the time before. Long story short, our baby died in the womb, and it was, do you know, one of the hardest things still to this point we've ever walked through in life? Yes. And it, it made it even more difficult, I think, because of our history, what we had gone through. And uh, we were alone. We were planting this church, and it was this weird thing of how do we tell people? How do we let people care for us? What will people even do? Most people on our core team weren't even that close to us. We are you no know, brand new relationships. We're trying to shepherd people. And uh, on top of that, my wife and I were processing things differently. You know, we had given up everything in life to come plant this church. And while this is very, very difficult, I was finding ways to deal with the pain um, outwardly, and my wife was not. For instance, the first Sunday after it happened, I went and as a part of the sermon, shared our brokenness. and people said, "We're sorry, and we're with you and we love you, but my wife was so broken. she wasn't able to come to service that night. And so no one did that for her. and it's it felt that after that night, most people kind of moved on, and she still needed to heal. And so we entered into a dark, dark season of our life and our marriage and our church planting. And um, it all shifted. It all shifted when one day, in my monthly coaching with my cupboard, um he began to dig deeper into questions he could tell there was more going on in life things seemed kind of surface and he kept digging well what's going on in your what's going on in your marriage what's going on in your home how are things with your heart and when he did i opened up and i shared with him what was going on and mike didn't just end our session after 30 minutes or an hour and give me some some smart goals to to walk away with for our next session mike told me that in that moment my wife and i we want to meet with you. We want to come alongside you in this. And Mike and his wife, Heidi, invited us down to their church. They took us out. They spent some time with us and uh, they invested in our life. And I, I tell people when I tell stories of Mike Hubbard that I believe in many ways, if it wasn't for Mike and Heidi Hubbard, Heather and I might not be in ministry today because of the way God used that coach.
0: Yeah, and I was, I was going to interject at that point, Noah. I think that's an encouraging word that our coaches could hear, because sometimes, like in any ministry, you could be digging away, digging away in a coaching relationship, and, and suddenly there is a divine moment where, you know, now I know why I'm Noah Oldham's coach. Yeah. And, 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 and Mike, Mike had the maturity to, to seize that. I wrote down the one question, how are things with your heart? Uh, and, mm-hmm. and we focus a lot in send network about uh, you know you're you're coaching the planter, not the plant. you're You're coaching the person, not the goal, that there's a that, that there is a shepherding aspect of this to keep you grounded during those those difficult times. So tell me more about Mike and heidi. they They invited you, they invited you in. They decided to uh, or felt impressed to pour more into you. what What happened then?
1: yeah, they they just walked with us. They were an available ear. um they they didn't force anything too too much. Like we need to meet all the time and do this and do this. But they they kept the door open. They had individual conversations with us. They had joint conversations with us. And honestly, the the few times that we actually walked with that with them was what we needed, mm. was what we needed to be able to, my wife and I, to see each other and hear each other and understand that there was a bigger thing going on around us and it propelled us it propelled us into what is now an opportunity for Heather and I to shepherd so many other people as I lead church planting for Nam in St. Louis and my wife leads the coaching for church planting wives or the, the care for church planting wives rather
0: yes and 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 I understand the the urgent need that a planter feels to to get some really good and timely advice and in, yeah. when there's lots of community around like you have in St. Louis, that's readily available. And usually, it's readily available. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but you're describing a different kind of relationship, someone who will shepherd the soul. Uh, yeah. Give me some of your thoughts about that.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the most important things. That's one of the things I love about Mike and I love about many of our other coaches in St. Louis is there's this urgency to know the most important thing, At the end of a career of ministry, it isn't the numbers of people that we had attend our services, number of small groups we started. At the end of of the career in ministry, do our – does our family – do we, do our family, do our children, do they love Jesus and do they still believe in his mission in the local church? Mm. And that they believe that's primary. And so all the other things that come along with that – are secondary to the health of that planter. And that's why coaching is so important. So important here in St. Louis It's so important for the SEND Network, because without a healthy planter, we'll never plant healthy churches.
0: Yeah, excellent. And then that healthy coach is the backup. So we have to have healthy Mm. coaches too, right?
1: Amen. Yeah, coaches that that are walking in step with the Lord too. Uh, You know, if Mike was just going through the motions and was just fulfilling a role, to, to be a quote-unquote coach, and he wasn't following the Spirit. I don't know that that conversation would have gone that way, but because he was in tune with the Lord, growing in his relationship, God used him in such a powerful way.
0: Well, and so much, and and, and again, enjoyed meeting Mike last fall, but so, so much in, in tune to what was really, really important at the moment. He could have totally missed that. He could have uh, said, I'm praying for you. He could have prayed for you, but boy, he he really sensed, and no question from the Lord. Uh, what a what a, a critical stage you guys were, and in your own words. Probably wouldn't have made it without having a coach like Mike. Uh, so, uh, so just in closing, because we have a lot of coaches listening, I, I ask you to kind of think about. So, you the, so you're speaking to a coach out there. Uh, you're using Mike's example, which is very encouraging and inspiration to all of us. So, what would what word of encouragement or two would you give uh, to a coach?
1: Yeah, my my main word that I think of when I think of coach is pursuit. As you are pursuing that planter. You know, planters are gonna be, they're gonna be flaky, they're gonna miss meetings, they're gonna have scheduling mishaps, they're gonna make you feel maybe sometimes like coaching isn't the most important thing on their daily schedule whether they know it or not, is one of the most important things that they can be doing. And so that planter being tenacious to pursue, that coach being tenacious to pursue that planter, to pursue him in questions in the middle of that coaching session, to pursue him and the Lord through prayer in between those sessions, and to to really not let him off the hook. You know, Hmm. Mike could have let me off the hook. I probably would have. I probably would have been surface level. I probably wouldn't have shared what I needed to share, and I wouldn't have walked into the health that I feel like I've been able to walk into today because of that. So pursuit and uh, intentionality and tenacity with those guys, it's, and it's going to go well.
0: Yeah, well, I think you gave them pursuit, intentionality, and tenacity, right? Yeah, 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 very good. And I love that profile because you know there there is a a stream of thought in a professional coach that they make the person being coached 100% responsible for everything. And and I get the coach that a coach can't be codependent or or, or mm-hmm. those type of things, but there's a reality in our context. We're coaching. We're coaching for the Great Commission. We're we're coaching with the commission that we have with God. Thus, the pursuit of the planter is is everything. So be not weary and well doing, coach. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So very good. Hey, Noah, I really appreciate this snapshot of your story and your vulnerability. I know there's other layers because I've heard it, but I think that we've gotten the the highlights of of my cupboard and your relationship with him and also your heart to see coaches reproduced in St. Louis. So if you'll check in our show notes, we will include the link to August Gate Church so you could learn more about Noah Oldham. Uh, also, uh, my ebook has been updated. Uh, for a, a principles and practices of, of church planter coaching. If you'd like to sharpen your skills in coaching, it's more of a narrative version of the training we do. So if you say, I just want to read a list of things on how to ask great questions, or I want to read a list of things on the value of peer coaching, you're the you're that kind of reader. Well, that's free, available on the Send Network coaching page. We'll put that link in the show notes as well uh, to help you sharpen skills as you coach church planters. So uh, Noah, thank you for today.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, very good. And until the next time, keep coaching. You have been listening to The Coaching Podcast, a resource of the North American Mission Board. Are you a church planner in need of a coach? Visit namb.net slash coaching to learn more.